Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we're grateful that you've joined us and we'll share part of your evening tonight. We do hope you enjoy the show that we've planned for you. Our co-host, I'd like to introduce, is Earl Erskine, Hi. former bishop of the LDS Church, <laughs> is was. now uh, a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, and he is our co-host here tonight. And I think you've got an announcement, don't you, I, that you I, wanted I, to, I do to have, bring up? Uh, the Compassionate Boldness Symposium is going to be held at the uh, Main Street Church up in Brigham City this Saturday in two days from 9 to 1 p.m. Everyone's invited, Mormon and Christian alike, there's always good handouts and good information that's shared. So, sponsored by the Mor Mormonism Research Ministry. So, mm -hmm. very that, good. That's at Main Street Church in Brigham City. Main Street Church this, in Brigham City. This Saturday. This oh, Saturday. Well, great. From, one, from nine to one. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Well, that sounds like a good place to be Saturday morning. So, if you want a lot of information, we would highly recommend you come. You know, on this show, uh, we primarily deal with the polygamy part of Mormonism, but whatever is relevant re regarding Joseph Smith's polygamy, whether it's contemporary or historical, we will discuss it, even when it involves the modern Mormon church machine. The polygamy groups embrace and cling to historical Mormon polygamy as taught and lived by Joseph Smith, their doctrine for living polygamy today is taken directly from the historical Mormon church, their books and their sermons by Mormon men, the Mormon canon, Mormon prophets and leadership, all adding up to the doctrines of Mormon men. We always give our viewers sources for the information that we present, and much of it comes from the Journal of Discourses. Mormons will criticize us for using the Journal of Discourses. They say it's not relevant for today. Yet the polygamists continue to use the historical sermons from them, so obviously we have every right and the obligation to reveal what we glean from those 26 volumes of sermons of early Mormon prophets who promised never to lead the people astray. For tonight's show, we have gleaned some interesting quotes from the Journal of Discourses by those polygamous men as they address their practice of polygamy. And for those who say that the Journal of Discourses is not used for doctrine today, they don't know what they're talking about. And besides that, the polygamists do use them, and the mainline Mormons would be shocked to know how much of the Journal of Discourses is regularly quoted by their leaders in many of their publications, but they just don't know that the original quote or the original source of that quote actually is the Journal of Discourses. So let's take a look at polygamy as taught in the Journal of Discourses. We're going to begin with volume 16 where Brigham Young tells us that <coughs> Joseph Smith received the revelation on plural marriage in July of 1843. Yes, <coughs> Joseph received a revelation on celestial marriage you will recollect, brethren and sisters, that it was in July 1843 that he received this revelation concerning <coughs> celestial marriage. The people of God, therefore, have been commanded to take more wives. 
Okay, that's from Brigham Young. Volume 16. <laughs> and that's right. And we now go to volume 20, where Joseph F. Smith is giving his sermon, and he said the revelation came as early as 1832. I here declare that the principle of plural marriage was not first revealed on the 12th day of July, 1843. It was written for the first time on that date, but it had been revealed to the prophet many years before that, perhaps as early as 1832. So we can't help but wonder, which is, which it? is it? One says one thing and someone says something else. Uh, it was at 1843, as Brigham Young said, or <clears throat> 11 years or earlier, as the prophet Joseph F. Smith claimed. Well, now, this is typical Mormon teeter-totter. They say whatever they want, and they're never held to any accountability for what they say, and the truth be damned. You know, we continue now with Joseph F. Smith's quote, on polygamy from that same sermon that he was giving. Yeah, he taught it <laughs> as he was commanded to, such as were prepared to receive and obey it. And they were commanded to enter into it, or they were threatened that the keys would be turned against them and they would be cut off by the Almighty. It need scarcely be said that the prophet found no one any more willing to lead out in this matter in righteousness than he was himself. <laughs> and I find that a very interesting yeah. statement, and it's very easy to believe because uh, he said that with that Joseph Smith was more than willing to lead out in this matter of practicing polygamy. Well, with 34 wives, that's very easy to believe, and he had several marriage proposals turned down uh, that he had asked women uh, to marry. But you know what? This was not done in righteousness. That's what Joseph F. Smith said it was, but it was not because the way he practiced polygamy could not have been the right thing. Now we have volume three, Brigham Young. He preached, well, you'd be damned if you didn't live polygamy. Yeah, listen to this one. Now, if any of you will deny the plurality of wives and continue to do so, I promise that you will be damned. And I will go still further and say, take this revelation or any other revelation that the Lord has given and deny it in your feelings. And I promise that you will be damned. Now, this is Prophet Brigham Young talking to the Mormon people. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to get into this a little later, but God doesn't change. No. <laughs> he doesn't change. Brigham Young was clear, in fact, when he said that no wrong counsel comes from his mouth. Yeah, from volume 16 again. If there is an elder here or any member of this church called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who can bring up the first idea, the first sentence that I have delivered to the people as counsel that is wrong, I really wish they would do it. But they cannot do it for the simple reason that I have never given counsel that is wrong. So Brigham Young has never given wrong counsel. He says you will be damned if you don't live polygamy. So we can only sum up these statements that a true believing Mormon must believe and embrace polygamy or they face eternal damnation. No wonder the, the polygamous groups call the Mormon church the apostate church yeah, because true. in reality they are. According to their prophets, there's no either or here. Yeah. It is you do it or you're damned by their prophet. Now, of course, this is also confirmed by Orson Pratt in volume 17. Okay. The Lord has said that those who reject this principle reject <coughs> their salvation. They shall be damned, saith the Lord. 
Those to whom I reveal this law and they do not receive it shall be damned. We have either to renounce Mormonism, Joseph Smith, Book of Mormon, Book of Commandments, and the whole system of things as taught by the Latter-day Saints, and say that God has not raised up a church, has not raised up a prophet, has not begun to restore all things as he promised. We are obliged to do this or else to say with all our hearts, yes, we are polygamists, we believe in the principle, and we are willing to practice it because God has spoken from the heavens. Wow. So, the, the, and again, this, this just lays the foundation that polygamy is supposed to be the way all of Mormonism lives their lives. Of yeah. course, the concept of the restoration that Orson Pratt is saying here is leading the people astray from the very beginning because there never was <clears throat> an apostasy. In fact, we challenge every one of our viewers to prove outside of Mormon sources that there was an apostasy. Prove it. We'd like to see the proof. <laughs> And besides, restoration means back to its original state, and today's polygamy groups or Mormonism itself has no parallel no. in historical um, Christianity or in the Bible. There are several additional warnings against denying polygamy, and all of the mainstream Mormonism is guilty of denying polygamy today. Let's see what Heber C. Kimball says in Volume 3. In Volume 3, if you oppose <coughs> any of the works of God, you will cultivate a spirit of apostasy. If you oppose what is called the spirit wife doctrine, the patriarchal order, which is of God, that course will corrode you with a spirit of apostasy and you will go overboard. The principle of plurality of wives will never be done away. I wish more of our young men would take to themselves wives of the daughters of Zion and not wait for us old men to take them all. That's not exactly the way I heard it, you know that. <laughs> it's not the way you heard it when you no, were in the church. No. You didn't read the Journal of Discourses in Heber C. Kimball, obviously. No. Of course, we all know and that they teach that Mormon polygamy is going to be practiced in Mormon heaven. But as Christians, we know that it will not be practiced in God's heaven. And here is an interesting twist on the legend heavenly polygamy in volume four of the Journal of Discourses. Again, Heber C. Kimball. In the spirit world, there is an increase of males and females. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> there are millions of them. And if I am faithful all the time and continue right along with Brother Brigham, we will go to Brother Joseph and say, here we are, Brother Joseph. We are here ourselves, are we not? With none of the property we possessed in our probationary state, not even the rings on our fingers. He will say to us, come along, my boys. We will give you a good suit of clothes. Where are your wives? They are back yonder. They would not follow us. Never mind, says Joseph. Here are thousands. Have all you want. Perhaps some do not believe that, but I am just simple enough to believe it. And simple enough to say it, <laughs> yes. obviously. So in Mormon heaven, Joseph Smith will supply all the wives the Mormon men want. Why are these minds at the, at these men and their sermons so based on eternal sex? Yeah, What's going on? And how does Heber C. Kimball know that the gender population ratio is in heaven? And why are Jesus' teachings rejected? Yeah. He said there's no marriage in heaven. Yeah, we find this in 1 John 5, 10, 11. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Eternal life is in Jesus Christ, yeah. not in polygamy. Mm -hmm. And those who do not believe what Jesus said, 
is in reality calling him a liar. That's what it says. Eternal life's in Jesus, not And Romans 7 says that the marriage covenant ends at death, and there is no mention or teachings or guidelines anything anywhere of eternal marriage or eternal ceilings. There is no marriage after death. Here's another gem quoted by Heber C. Kimball in Volume 5. Some quietly listen to those who speak against the Lord's servants, against His anointed, against the plurality of wives, and against almost every principle that God has revealed. Such persons have half a dozen devils with them all the time. You might as well deny Mormonism and turn away from it as to oppose the plurality of wives. And so we, we understand that they never talk bad about other religions and about other people, but this is pretty bad. It is. Claiming people to have half a dozen demons in them <laughs> if they deny the plurality of wives. Yeah. And of course we have another threat. They're good at threats of damnation if you don't live according to their principles. And Heber C. Kimball was as right along with the rest they of them. They were caught up in this, uh, for sure. They were. I speak of plurality of wives as one of the most holy principles that God ever revealed to man. And all all those who exercise an influence against it, unto whom it is taught, man or woman, will be damned, and they and all who will be influenced by them will suffer the buffetings of Satan in the flesh, for the curse of God will be upon them, and poverty and distress and vexation of spirit will be their portion. So there's the threat. There's the threat. Do it or be damned. Do it or you're going to have all kinds of spiritual troubles in this life or whatever. So live polygamy or else. Of course, that's what we got when yeah. I was growing up. And despite these horrid threats in the Journal of Discourses, threats of Satan's buffetings and God's curses and distress to those who reject polygamy, the Book of Mormon forbids polygamy and calls it an abomination. And we have some verses there. Yeah, a First variety of, all, of them here. Yes. Jacob 1.15 And now it came to pass that the people of Nephi, under the reign of the second king, began to grow hard in their hearts and indulge themselves somewhat in wicked practices, such as like unto David of old, desiring many wives and concubines, and also Solomon his son. So they call it wicked practices. And in Jacob chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was abominable before me, saith the Lord. And then just a few verses later, chapter, uh, verses 27, 28, 29, Wherefore, my brethren, hear me, and hearken to the word of the Lord, for there shall not any man among you have, save it be one wife, and concubines he shall have none. For I, the Lord God, delight in the chastity of women, and whoredoms are an abomination before me. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Wherefore, this people shall keep my commandments, saith the Lord of hosts, or cursed be the land for their sakes. Well, that's dire threats if you do live polygamy, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? And then Jacob 3, 5 says, and I quote, Behold, the Lamanites, your brethren, whom ye hate because of their filthiness and the cursing which hath come upon their skins, by the way, that's very racist, are more righteous than you. For they have not forgotten the commandment of the Lord, which was given into, unto our our father, that they should have, save it were one wife, and concubines they should have none, and there should not be whoredoms committed among them. 
and Messiah 11.2 for another one. For behold, he did not keep the commandments of God, but he did walk after the desires of his own heart. He had many wives and concubines, and he did cause his people to commit sin and do that which was abominable in the sight of the Lord. Yea, and they did commit whoredoms and all manner of wickedness. Now, all of these verses are from the Book of Mormon, and they haven't been changed, and they haven't been added to. There's another one in Mosiah, chapter 11, verse 14, and it says, quote, And it came to pass that he placed his heart upon his riches, and he spent his time in riotous living with his wives and his concubines, and so did also his priests spend their time with harlots. <laughs> A couple of chapters later. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And in Ether 10.5, another anti-polygamy verse. And it came to pass that Riplation, <laughs> whoa, did not do that which was right in the sight of the Lord, for he did have many wives and concubines. And just a few verses later in Ether 10, He did do justice unto the people, but not unto himself, because of his many whoredoms. Wherefore, he was cut off from the presence of the Lord. So we have very many verses here in the Book of Mormon totally against, condemning polygamy. Yeah. And, and, and we wonder, does God change his mind about plural marriage? According to the Book of Mormon, does God change his mind? No. <laughs> Several verses here. Mormon 9, 9. For do, do we not read that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and in him there is no variableness, neither shadow of changing? In verse 19, And behold, I say unto you, he changeth not. If so, he would cease to be God. Moroni 8.18 says, For I know that God is not a partial God, neither a changeable being, but he is unchangeable from all eternity to all eternity. And finally, 3 Nephi 24.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. So we have established a good foundation here that the Journal of Discourses is for polygamy. The Book of Mormon is against polygamy. And we can't say that God changed his mind from one to the other because those so. who, who, who pre preached those sermons in the Journal of Discourses read the Book of Mormon uh, for, and, and, and looked at it as far and above more reliable than the Bible itself. So we've got a huge problem with a religion where they say God forbids something, then turns around and commands them to do something that he has forbidden. Now, thousands of years before Joseph Smith put the pen to writing the Book of Mormon, God had forbidden polygamy to the people. Here's a verse from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. Yeah, Deuteronomy 17, 17, He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray, 1 Corinthians 7, 2, each man shall have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So we're, we're very clear here that polygamy is not the thing to do unless whatever might happen in a man's mind. Long before the Book of Mormon was a gleam in Joseph Smith's eyes, the Bible taught that God does not change his mind. The Book of Mormon already said that. Now we're going to read in the Bible where it also says God doesn't change his mind. Two different verses. Numbers twenty-three nineteen: God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Malachi 3, 6, For I am the Lord, and I change not. So the Book of Mormon doesn't allow polygamy, but we have one problem verse. It's like a stick in the spoke. 
It completely derails the otherwise solid Book of Mormon teaching of no polygamy for God's people. And the problem verse is Jacob chapter 2, verse 30. Yes, for I, if I will, saith the Lord of hosts, raise up a seed unto me, I will command my people, otherwise they shall hearken they shall hearken unto these things. So there's that little leeway there that if he wants to raise seed up unto him, then he will command them, it sounds like, to live polygamy. Now regarding this exception to the prohibition of polygamy, we want to quote from a pro-Mormon website, an.fairmormon.org, and listen carefully to what it says. The Book of Mormon makes it clear that the Lord may, under some circumstances, command the practice of plural marriage. As one member of the church explained, Jacob 2.30 is the key verse for understanding why Mormons believe that Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and other 19th century Mormons were justified in their practice of polygamy, but that this is the exception to the Lord's law, not the rule. Mormons believe that the period when polygamy was publicly sanctioned, 1852 to 1890, and the longer period in which it was privately approved, the early 1830s to 1904, were exceptions to God's basic law that Jacob spelled out in verse 27. So in the Book of Mormon, there is an abundance of restrictions and prohibitions against polygamy, never a command for it. Then we come up on Jacob 2.30, where it looks like at some point, God may give permission for plural marriage. So why does Jacob 2.30 say that God may command it? Would God really command a practice that he has previously described as wicked? Is that your God? If it is, you need to change gods because the true and living and only true God never commands people to do what he has condemned. And the only true and living God would never require a woman to suffer what polygamy forces them to suffer. Now, what are some of those descriptive words against polygamy that God used in the Book of Mormon? Yeah, these are good. Wicked practices, whoredoms, abominable, riotous living, adultery. Now, that all described polygamy in the Book of Mormon. And God would really command wicked practice. Would God really command whoredoms? Would he really command an abomination? I mean, think about this. Don't check your brains at the door. Think about these things. Would God truly command people to practice polygamy that he has described in such low terms? The reason given in Jacob 2.30 is to raise up seed. Since when does God set aside a previously condemned and wicked practice in order to bring up children? In reference to this idea, Jesus said a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Would God utilize a practice that he calls wicked and expect good fruit from it? Jacob 2.30 is a fraudulent verse. Now let's consider another reason why Jacob 2.30 cannot be the reason early Mormons practiced polygamy. We're going to quote kind of a long quote here from MRM.org. And this is from, according to LDS historian Todd Compton, 18 of Joseph's wives, 55%, were single when he married them and had never been married previously. Another four, 12%, were widows. However, the remaining 11 women, a third, were married to other husbands and cohabitating with them when Smith married them. If one superimposes a chronological perspective, one sees that of Smith's first 12 wives, nine were polyandrous. 
which means they were already married. They were married to other men. Mm -hmm. Unless it can be proven that these women were all married to men who were either impotent or sterile, we have to assume that they were quite capable of raising up seed without Smith's help. Apparently, Joseph didn't see the need for employing Jacob 2.30 as a proof text for plural marriage. Okay, and that's a very good point. So since 33% of Joseph Smith's plural wives were married to other men, these women were already in the process of raising up their own families. In fact, Zena Huntington Jacobs was not only married, but she was seven months pregnant when Joseph Smith coerced her into a plural marriage ceremony with him. Obviously, he didn't need to intrude into her marriage. They were perfectly capable of raising up seed without Joseph Smith's help. Actually, what Joseph Smith and the others were guilty of is breaking God's seventh commandment. Exodus 20:14 and Deuteronomy 5:18 Very says, clear, it just says, "Thou shalt not commit adultery." Thou shalt not commit adultery. This is and a good way. Thus saith the Lord. To, that's right. That's <laughs> to commit adultery. But Joseph Smith did commit adultery with other men's wives in at least 33 percent of his polygamous marriages. That's 11 women, and that's okay. Is that really okay? And Brigham Young, he took at least six women and possibly nine who already had living husbands. This is not the definition of righteousness. Those who can believe that good men or true prophets of God will do these things have the wrong God, they have the wrong gospel, they have bogus prophets, and a totally twisted idea of God's plan for marriage. Now let's see what Orson Hyde had to say about heavenly principle of polygamy. Yeah, this is out of the Journal of Discourses, Volume 20. Polygamy is a principle revealed from heaven with a commandment to enter into it practically. The principle is abundantly corroborated in the ancient scriptures, approved of God and sanctioned by all righteous men. And he who labors to overthrow this principle fights against Jehovah and makes himself a shining target courting the arrows of the Almighty upon his head, heart, and country. Whoa, fighting God about <laughs> yeah. this. Huh? I think they've got that just a little bit backwards yeah, as well. So. And we have yet to find a single verse or passage in the Bible where God commanded, sanctioned, corroborated, or blessed polygamy. We've said this before and we'll say it again. To accuse God of commanding such a horrible and torturous life that polygamy is for most women and children is to bear false witness against God Himself. And that's a very dangerous place to be. We've clearly established that the Book of Mormon contradicts itself and Joseph Smith also regarding polygamy and it also contradicts the Bible. We suggest that if you want to be in God's heaven that you follow the God who can lead you there and He is not the God of Joseph Smith and of Joseph Smith's polygamy. <laughs> Seems pretty clear, doesn't it? <laughs> it is so clear. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I know there's a blindness there. I know there's a refusal for people to see this, but it's so clear yeah. that there's some contradiction, some very grievous contradiction going on here that needs to be reconciled. And I've heard the word critical thinking, and you mentioned it before, checking your mind at the door or something, your brain's at the door. I, I just don't, I just never read this myself, but it's there to be to be read and understood, and, mm -hmm. and it's logical and makes such sense if people will just yeah. 
do a little critical thinking. Right. Yeah. And and we've talked about things like this before on the on the show and the In Sacred Loneliness book. Yeah. Uh, after one show, this was a few years ago, and uh, a woman called me about In Sacred Loneliness, and she was very angry that I said Joseph Smith had lived polygamy and had those many wives. Mm -hmm. And I said, read In Sacred Loneliness, written by Todd, Com Todd Compton, who is a Mormon, a member of the Mormon Church, in good standing. Yeah. And she yelled at me, and she said, well, that he, you don't know what you're talking about. You're taking it out of context. I said, read the book. And she said, I don't have to. I just know the truth. Yeah. And so, now they can go to LDS.org. And now the Mormon yeah. Church is admitting it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to get in the discussion, we invite you to. We're going to open up our telephone lines now. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. And while we're waiting for your calls to come in, we want to share our message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. My goodness, welcome back. You've seen us talking between <laughs> between the scenes here. Uh, welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? We've just been talking about the script that we just uh, discussed here, and we do invite you to join in the conversation. We've been comparing the Journal of Discourses sermons on polygamy, uh, of course, damning people who don't live it, and then come with the Book of Mormon that damns people who do live it. And then, of course, that one exceptional verse that says, well, if God wants you to do this damnable thing, then you better do it. So whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, we've got to go to the Bible that stands firm and very clear. Well, one of the comments that was made during the break was that how, how an LDS person or a polygamous person could actually listen to these leaders and their comments and not come away thinking or questioning what it is that they've been believing and mm -hmm. following all these years. Mm -hmm. uh, it just doesn't make sense. And we're supposed to, we, we are supposed to question. We're not supposed yeah. to question uh, the truths of God. Yeah. We're supposed to research them, obviously, yeah. but we're supposed to question what men say God says. Yeah. And we know that the church denied the practice of polygamy for many, many years, uh, section 101 in the mm -hmm. book of, in the Doctrine and Covenants. And then Joseph Smith, uh, telling Emma that she was going to be destroyed if she yeah. didn't practice mm -hmm. polygamy. Which is it exactly... It just doesn't sound like it's from and, God. And that's exactly what we were taught growing up, just what they, just what he told Emma, you will be destroyed. So for all the polygamists who are watching us tonight, you need to look into these things too because your leaders and your parents and, and maybe older brothers and sisters are telling you, you've got to live polygamy or be damned because that's what all the polygamy groups tell you. Yeah. Well, check these things out. Why does the Book of Mormon say, don't do it if you're supposed to do it. And yet the polygamy groups believe in the Book of Mormon, just as strong as the Mormon Church does. Mm -hmm. So check these things out. Don't just follow blindly. 
Jesus said, the blind follow the blind, and they'll both fall into the pit. So check it out. That's why we're doing the show. We want you to find the truth and then become free in knowing the truth. So our telephone lines will. It looks like the, they're, they're filled up, but we don't have any calls coming in yet. So we want to share another little gem from Brigham Young who said that polygamy is not about love. So if you want love in your life, don't go into plural marriage, according to Volume 3 of the Journal of Discourses. You, almost in all these, you, you sense this pride, this commitment to polygamy, and then this pride, and they've just got to share it this way. It's just amazing. <laughs> Elders, never love your wives one hair's breadth further than they adorn the gospel. Never love them so but that you can leave them at a moment's warning without shedding a tear. Should you love a child any more than this? No. Here are apostles and prophets who are destined to be exalted with the gods, to become rulers in the kingdoms of our Father, to become equal with the Father and the Son. Now that's pride that you're talking oh about. Oh my goodness. That's awful. Yeah. Now to become gods, <laughs> yeah. and the Bible is very clear, there is only one God and men yeah. don't get to become gods. Yeah. And then he says to become equal with the Father and the Son. And even in the Bible again, God, God says, who's equal with me? Yeah. And the lie in the Garden of Eden yeah. was from the snake, you shall become like God. Somebody mentioned that who, who could, if, how could you worship someone that you can become? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's ex interesting. Exactly. It? That's yeah. a good point. A very good point. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple of calls that's come through now. So let's start with line two, and Ed is calling from Orem. Hello, Ed. You're on the air. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hi, good. Ed. Thank you. What's your um, question? I just want to know, why do you think the LDS people still believe in Jesus, man? Well, why don't you answer that question? You, I come from a polygamy group. You come from the Mormon Church, yeah. so the I'm question is... All the evidence, they should have... You know, known. to be honest, I think it's a willing blindness. We just don't know. I, 65 years in the church, I didn't know almost any of this stuff. It, it's just um, come to me in the last three years or so that I've been able to at least critically think and to put two and two together. We just don't know about it in the Mormon Church. We're not taught about it. Uh, General Conference, the ensigns, what we hear every Sunday doesn't share any of this negative stuff. It's all very bland, very superficial, and uh, it just isn't true, but we we just live it. We just believe it. And if it's like the, the polygamy groups, we were warned not to read anything outside yeah. of the, the approved reading material. And uh, the thinking's been done for us. We don't need to think any further than they tell us that we can think. As, and so that, and it makes you afraid to check out anything yeah. outside of their material. And I think there's a level of busyness. We talk about that every once in a while. That the church keeps you busy. And it doesn't certainly encourage you to, to go check anything out. It has the materials for us. We're busy with other things, raising families, and there just isn't time, perhaps. I know it's a yeah. poor excuse. And they give some pretty pat answers, too. Yeah. Some pretty good, well-thought-out answers that are lies, basic lies. Yeah. I've, I've found some of their answers to be out-and-out -out lies. It's an excellent question, though. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I have one more question, please. Okay, would you? Okay, go ahead. Um, about the Book of Mormon, they say that the most correct book on this, it has so many mistakes, I don't know why they still believe in it. I didn't hear the last part. You said that it was the most correct book. 
Yeah, they say the Book of Mormon is the most correct book. The most correct book on earth. The most, they don't really believe in the Bible. Right. Right. They they, they believe in the Book of Mormon Mormons first. Mormons so many mistakes. <clears throat> they believe in the Book of Mormon as being the most correct book, and the right. Bible is correct as far as it's translated right. correctly. Right. And again, that's another thing. We, I didn't, I was not aware of all the changes in the Book of Mormon. That that was a big thing for me to to bring me out of yeah. the church was actually the changes, the differences between the 1830 version and our current version. Yeah, and there's over 4,000. Yeah. Over. 4, and some of them are very made. serious doctrinal yeah. changes. Yeah, it's not just punctuation; no. it's doctrinal no. changes that have yeah. been made to the Book of Mormon. And that's another thing, you know. Check it out, folks. Check it out, because your eternity depends on what you do with this information. Okay, let's look at line one. Joe calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Joe. You're on the air. Good evening, Doris and Earl. Uh, early in the program, you were talking about if, you, uh, if Mormons are confronted with quotations from the Journal of Discourses uh, that seem to be contrary to what they like, um, you know, they will protest vehemently that that's not doctrine or whatever. Uh -huh. And it got me thinking, uh, this past week, I went over to the uh, Deseret Book uh, in Midvale that has the distribution center there, and I picked up one of their manuals. It's called Teaching, Teachings of the Living Prophet, Student Manual, Religion 333, uh, which I'm sure it's uh, copyrighted 2010. And I got to thinking, I wonder how long it would take, just going through this book, to find something where they actually use the Journal of Discourses. <laughs> and so I was reading through it, and right in chapter two, they have a quotation from the Journal of Discourses from Brigham Young, where he talks about how he never preached a sermon uh, that it couldn't uh, could not be considered scripture. Right. So it's a perfect example of them where they tell people, uh, "Do as we say, not as we do." And it's just frustrating having to be with that all the time. It's true. It's, it's a question I always like to ask. Why do they hold, and this goes for polygamists as well as Mormons, why do they hold their leaders at a lower standard than they hold for themselves? You know, there's just, just not honesty there in their dealings with it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's often said that trying to pin down Mormon doctrine is like trying to nail jello to a wall. Yeah, I've heard uh, that. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> quote. And, and you know, to go further with that, we had Bill McKeever on the show a few months ago, and we, we were talking about the Journal of Discourses, and he also mentioned that when they buy the books like uh, the teachings of, of Brigham Young or the teachings of um, uh, some of these other early Joseph Mormon prophets, Joseph Fielding Smith, and so on, that if you get those books and you can buy them and you read all these teachings, how many of them are from the Journal of Discourses? Many, 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 and yet the people don't realize they're reading from the Journal of Discourses. Well, well, many it's amazing, you know, you, you can actually probably pick up the uh, conference issues of the Enzyme, and I bet you wouldn't have to go too many speakers into it before yeah. you'd find That's right. some annotated, uh, something annotated about the Journal of Discourses, so they use it all the time. Yes, they do. They just don't, they use it when it suits their purpose. They don't That's like right. people using it when it doesn't serve their purpose. Exactly right. Yeah. Totally true. Well, thank you for your observation. We appreciate your call. Thanks, Joe. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess maybe he 
said goodbye. All right, so the phone lines are open now. You can call in. One one caller didn't stay. I don't know if he got called away or something, but uh, our phone lines are open now, so if you want to enter this discussion, please call. But let's go to Volume 9 of the Journal of Discourses, where we have another one of uh, Brigham Young's glimpses. And, and I think this is interesting, especially for those who say, well, polygamy is okay. Let you do what you want to do. If I don't want to do it, fine. If you want to do it, fine. And it's just among consenting adults. Yeah, not going to hurt anybody. Look at what Brigham Young said about yeah. polygamy, and this was in the beginning of Mormon polygamy. A few years ago, one of my wives, when talking about wives leaving their husbands, said, I wish my husband's wives would leave him, every soul of them except myself. That is the way they all feel, more or less at times, both old and young. Admitting right there. That there was uh, that the, discord. That <laughs> they hate polygamy. The women hated polygamy. Yeah. And, and you know what? If the women of Sister Wives and some of these other shows really got down to the nitty-gritty they would admit the same thing because when you have to share your spouse, yeah, it hurts. It's bad. <laughs> it's not the way God planned it. And so Brigham Young at least was being a very truthful there. God made one man for one woman and one woman for one man. That was his plan for marriage. And anything outside of that is going to cause some problems. We have another quote from Brigham Young uh, about his knowledge of how painful for a woman that polygamy could be. Yeah, this is in volume 12. Brother Penrose said it would be better for them if they believed in the doctrine of polygamy, but they do, but they do believe it. They know it is true, and that is their torment. It perplexes and annoys many of them because they are not sanctified by the spirit of it. Not sanctified by the spirit of it. Yeah. yeah and the spirit, the spirit of it is at the beginning, that, that verse that you quoted in the beginning yeah. where he said, don't love, if you're in the polygamy, yeah. don't, you can't love. Love yeah. is not part of it. So that's the spirit of it. If you don't love, a lot of women will say, my love is saved for my children. I can't love my husband. Don't love your husband if you're in polygamy. That's the motto. You know, one of the things, too, is that I don't. I think we read these and we kind of, we know it happened years ago, but I think if we actually stopped and thought about people in their situations, about the a woman laying there knowing that her husband's gone off to lay with another mm -hmm. woman, and mm -hmm. just the real real actual life experience of going through that and, yeah. and yeah. Uh, the inadequacies you'd feel, the, the uh, the, the, well, pro, the jealousy and, a, and all the other a, stuff that a goes good, with it. A good place for that is Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, a DVD that, that our ministry has produced yes, and that we is. are giving out to people who want to see it, where many women who were in polygamy have been interviewed and they talk about that very yeah, thing of how painful it, it was knowing yeah. that their husband was right in the bedroom next door uh, making love to her sister wife and how the pain and the hurt this is this happened. I, I was raised in a polygamist home. I saw my mother's pain, and I saw the pain of the first wife too. Oh. It's there. Believe me, it is there. Okay, we have line three. Don from Provo is calling. Hello, Don. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Yes, I have a couple things to say. Maybe take about a minute. Um, I learned the real meaning of adultery from a website. It's um, r a y e l dot net. He claims to be Jesus. Come back. Another thing is um, about plural marriage. There's a web, there's a book called The Keys of Enoch. I'm not sure if you heard that before. The Keys of it talks what? About how each person has a well a twin flame, so that's a perfect male and female for every person. 
And then each one of those people has five different bodies, the geometrian bodies, zohar bodies, electromagnetic bodies, epikinetic bodies, and uh, ekabodies of plus or minus relativity. So each one person also, I believe, has three people in the past, three in the present, three in the future. So that comes together as nine males and then nine females. So that's a group. And then if you go to my website, zeldta.com, you'll learn a lot more. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I'll stick with the Bible because I know the Bible tells me the truth. And I know that when God says something, that it leads to peace and happiness in our lives, not confusion and nonsense. Thanks for your call. Okay. Uh, we have um, line two calling Hector from Salt Lake City. Hello, Hector. Hello, Hector. You're on the air. Uh, hello. Hello. You're on the air. Yeah. Hello. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. I certainly can. We're waiting for you to ask your question. Oh, I, uh, I didn't know that the performers had all the had all that the contradicting stuff to go back yet. I mean, to be convicted with their own their own words. Uh, I uh, there was a point in my life when I, you know, I was incarcerated and I was seeing everybody who was going to the LDS. Uh, church on Sundays, they were joining the church and they were getting out of jail right away, so I thought I'd try it, but I always knew to pray before I took scripture and pray afterwards, and when I prayed, before I read the, that book, uh, something came over me that told me that, uh, you know, that that was the gospel of God or the gospel of Christ. I never did pick it up. I did my time and got out, got out of being incarcerated. But um, also, another commandment they break is the tenth commandment. So thou shalt not tell it your wife, your neighbor's wife. You know, and I just, uh, to me, I, I, I uh, I'm really glad uh, to know that there's people like you uh, that, that come on once a week to. Uh, Okay, well, Hector, we thank you for your phone call, and we thank you for uh, for your encouraging words. Um, and uh, it was difficult kind of to, to understand yeah, exactly what he was saying. Was breaking but, up, but <clears throat> it is interesting that uh, when you're talking about the Tenth Commandment, coveting, and uh, did you, as a, as a polygamist family situation, did you feel a lot of that, uh, at least the leaders of the church, or your group, were they coveting young women and... <laughs> I see that? that I didn't see that then yeah. as I grew up. No, I didn't. I wouldn't have seen that then. But yeah. I certainly do now, especially when it's the leadership of the group who gets all the wives. Yeah. You know, and you, you could go lost to almost any polygamy group and find the leadership or the the lead family will get all of the young brides. They'll get the the prettiest brides, and they will get most of them. I shouldn't say all because they don't get them all, but they get most the most brides. Warren Jeffs had at least 80 wives. Uh, the leader of one of the polygamy groups mm -hmm. has, has over 30 wives and over 350 kids. His brother has 12, 13 wives and has over 150 kids. So yes, there is a lot of that. Uh, it has to be the, the lust. Uh -huh. The lust that must go on and the, men the mental gymnastics of seeking out new conquests mm -hmm. and stuff. And, and I think of that, and then I think of these, some of these things we read where they think there's going to be eternal marriage, eternal polygamy, eternal sex. Yeah. And it's just like it becomes where enough is never enough. 
They always have to have more, and so their their minds can't think that they're going to go into eternity without having this option of all of this sex. Yeah. But it just isn't true. <laughs> God knows the truth. He is the truth, and he says that's not true. Okay, we have on line one, John calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, John. Hi, you guys. Hello, Hi. you're on the air. What's your question? Yeah. Uh, my question is that the first guy uh, that he called, he asked this a truth uh, book on the earth. I can tell, tell them that the earliest people, they wake up and they come up and back. They, they, they only them. They not heard anybody know the Pokemon one. Only them. That I'm saying get get up. How how uh, teach you um, uh, your teenage girl or uh, 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 your girl okay, teach get a girl be a nice girl be a uh, good girl tell you marry. How they teach you teach the the church teach them. And and the leader of the church rape and steal women from from the people. You know, how, they need to remember that. Okay, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you caught that. I, I guess it's to... again back to coveting <clears throat> and and who and the leaders desiring. I'm not sure I understood everything there, John. What was your the question specifically, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think he's there anymore. Okay. Um, the, I apologize it was, for that. Yeah, it was, it's very difficult to, uh, to understand sometimes what they're saying. Um, it was talking about something about the women not understanding something, but yeah. maybe, maybe he's dealing with how do the women accept the polygamy. Um, I often wondered how the women in the early Mormon church accepted it because when I grew up, we grew up, knowing that polygamy was required. It wasn't new to us. It was yeah. something we learned from the cradle. But it, when Joseph Smith first introduced polygamy, they weren't used to that doctrine. How did he get all those women to believe him? You know, I mean, we know he could have been charismatic or That, somehow. and he said an angel from heaven with yeah. a flaming sword, but yeah. that certainly isn't uh, even viable to think of. I, I think the isolation out here in Salt Lake, the but West. back in Nauvoo, yeah, back in, true. in uh, But I think Kirtland. that helped it here locally, oh, or yeah. at least because the women, even if they... What were they going to do? They couldn't very well leave. But That's you're exactly right. I don't right. know how he was able to convince them and other men. They use the God a, threat. Yeah. They use the God threat. Yeah. That does it. And you know, a God is not happy with people who give false witness. Well, that's what happens when you follow him. men, you know. <laughs> that's right. Okay, we have a quote here from George Q. Cannon that we want to read, which is a short quote, but is another threat that we just were talking about, of annihilation of the LDS people if they don't practice polygamy. This was in 1879, which is interesting because 11 years later, uh, things changed. If plural marriage be divine, as the Latter-day Saints say it is, no power on earth can suppress it unless you crush and destroy the entire people. Now, how would we take that in today's culture? Yeah. How would you take that? Have the Latter-day Saints been crushed and destroyed as the entire people? No, obviously not. Obviously <laughs> not, but it says no power on earth can suppress it. And in a sense, it hasn't because the fundamentalists have picked up the ball and taken it. I guess they so, would hold on to that, wouldn't they? Uh, uh, yeah, of course you, they would. you betcha. Yeah. They, they, they know that. Um, 
But it's interesting that all of these quotes that we've read just absolutely don't hold any water at all. And as, as it applies to the LDS Church in general, they are the ones who are apostate according to these early prophets. And it is the Mormon fundamentalists who know that they have been following the doctrines of the early Mormon Church. Now, that's not to say that we believe they're right, because we obviously don't. No. We know that, that uh, you can be all right or you can be all wrong, um, and, but we know from the contradiction, how could it be all right? Like you said, this isn't a God that, uh, would, that is changing, or God doesn't change, and he wouldn't change this, and support at one time and then c c call it wicked practice another time. Uh, right, yeah. and that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Okay, um, line two, we have Roger from Pleasant Grove. Roger, uh, can you make your question very quick because we're getting towards the end of the show? Okay, my question is, I, I have a problem. I don't uh, buy into polygamy either, but in Kings, in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 8, uh, the Lord is talking, I mean, he's, and he says, you have, you have not been like my servant David, who kept my commandments and followed me with all his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. Yes. Yet David was practicing polygamy. Right. Now also, in chapter 15, verse 5, for David did not, for David had done what was right, in the eyes of the Lord, and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commands all the days of his life, except for in the case of Uriah the Hittite. Right. Now, I know the Lord didn't right. command him to do it, right. but he did it, and he still, the Lord uh, said that he did everything that was he was supposed to. Okay. Roger, um, this is a very good question, and it's something that, that I had to look into myself to make sure that I understood biblical polygamy and what it was all about. Um, what the context, when you get into the context of what it was right with David doing everything that was right, the context is idolatry. The context is that the kings of Israel and the kings of the nation around them were practicing idolatry, but David never did. He never, ever pro uh, practiced any kind of idolatry. He worshipped the only true God in existence all the days of his lives, not like the kings of these other people around him. And that's the context. Uh, thank you for the question. We are uh, getting close to the end of the show. But if you read all of these things that the Bible has, there's an answer, which the Bible answers itself and you can read what it says in the context of what it says and you will get pretty much you will get your answer and sometimes it takes quite a bit of digging uh, yeah. um, but those were all questions that I had when I got out of the polygamy group I had to know everything about polygamy in the Bible and some of it was pretty hard stuff some of it was pretty simple <laughs> but some of it could be pretty difficult yeah. to understand so we do thank you for that question um, and you can go online and find the Journal of Discourses for anybody who doesn't have a, a set themselves. You can go to mrm.org slash journal gems, or you can go to the wikisource.org, and uh, they have the Journal of Discourses there. So thank you. Thank you, you for being My here pleasure. tonight.
Very good. My closing comments, I would like to discuss some, something that I read from a website recently that addressed the changing doctrines of the Mormon faith. A part of what this man said was that he grew up in the Mormon church believing in what they now admit wasn't what they claimed it was. For instance, he said, first, the first vision isn't exactly what they said it was. Second, the Book of Mormon translation isn't exactly what they said it was. The curse of dark skin isn't exactly what they said it was. He learned that the American Indians aren't exactly who they said they are. He learned that the Book of Abraham or any other translation isn't exactly what they said it was. And number six, polygamy isn't exactly what they said it was. Therefore, he said, he is not under any moral, religious, cultural, family, legal, or any other obligation to stay anymore because that church just isn't what they said it was. One of the most important things Jesus said is in John 4.24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. God's truths don't change. It is Jesus we must listen to, not religious leadership that leads you astray. 1 John 2.21 says that no lie comes from the truth. And yet from Joseph Smith's first sexual encounter in the barn with Fanny Alger to the polygamy groups of today, the entire foundation is based on leadership's lies. But no lie comes from the truth, so how can it be true? By saying this, we don't take away your freedom of religion as we've been so accused, but we do present the facts hoping you'll consider and believe God's truths and reject all religious lies no matter how good they make you feel. Thanks for watching and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.